WLIW-FM In Conversation, our special program that brings you dynamic voices from across our region and beyond. Welcome to WLIW-FM In Conversation. I'm your host, Diane Michelli, General Manager of WLIW-FM. And in this episode, we partner with the WNET Group's All Arts, which facilitated a conversation between playwright Ebony Booth and starring actor William Jackson Harper about Primary Trust, a play focused on a man alone and adrift in a life cycle of change, as well as their individual creative processes, collaborating to bring a story from script to stage, and more. Primary Trust is presented by Roundabout Theatre Company and runs through July 2nd. Hi, William Jackson Harper. How are you? I'm good, Ebony Booth. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Will, you are starring in Primary Trust. Yeah, the play that you wrote. The play that I wrote. It is playing now through July 2nd at Roundabout Theatre in New York City. Mm-hmm. So let's get into explaining the premise of the show and the setting and the characters. Well, well, actually, I will do that too, but maybe it's more interesting for the person who didn't write the show. If you <laughs> had to explain primary trust to someone, how do you think you would explain it? What's your elevator pitch for this oh, show? Man. I don't write for TV, so I don't know anything <laughs> about the elevator pitches. Like, I would probably say it's about a dude living a small-ish life who's being asked to step out of his comfort zone and what that costs and what that actually means. It's like, oh yeah, actually there's a cost to some of the small things in our life that we decide to shift. And sometimes that can feel a lot, it's bigger when you're going through it than when you're just watching it happen. I like that explanation. I mean, that's what I say. I say it's about a lonely guy in a small town who has to get a new job. Yeah. I mean, that doesn't feel like a lie. It doesn't feel like a dodge. I think there are other things that are affecting him that the audience will discover throughout the course of the play. But I think it connects with what you're saying. Yeah, I think so. I don't want to give anything away because it's one of those scripts where I read it and it snuck up on me. And I want people to feel the way that I felt reading. That's, That's all, you know? And I think that we talked about this in rehearsal. It's like, we want to make sure that we're doing the play that we read. It does something and it means something to all of us. Like there's a feeling that we all got. And if other people can have that feeling, I feel like there's some value to that. Do you want to talk a little bit about your decision to return to the theater? You've taken a little bit of a break or, you you know, it's been a while since you've done a play. And theater feels like such a big part of your origin story as an actor and what it's like to sort of come back to the stage. Honestly, it was this play that made me want to. I'd had the random offer here and there for certain things. And it was just sort of like, I'm not super hyped about that it'd be cool to do a play just for the sake of doing a play but you know like i'm not crazy hyped about it and i think that it's been a long time since i've read something that really sort of affected me like this play does it was like okay so it's on the roster and they want to know if you want to do it i'm like oh well yeah this will be one that i feel like i need to i feel like i need the emotional release of it i need to go on that journey. There's something in this play that I get that I'm like, I want to be a part of telling that story. And it's, and I mean, and and even if I didn't want to do it, it would be one that I'm like, I I would need to see it because I feel like there's something there 
that feels unique and it feels like it's speaking to me directly. And so, yeah, I was like, either I need to do this play or I'm going to have to see it a lot, uh, you know? And so it's, uh, so that was really about it. It was just like, yeah, theater's a big part of, you know, like what I've done, but this play is, is unique and special to me. I felt like I really had to do this one and this one in particular. Well, it's so funny because when you're writing something, someone asks you like, who's your dream cast? Or like, if you could have anyone, who would it be? And it so rarely lines up that it can happen that way, just because of life and scheduling and all that kind of stuff. Knud Adams, the director and I were just almost anxious to say it out loud, like, well, William Jackson Harper is someone we've had in mind since the beginning, but the stars just aligned in a certain way where not only were you sort of like thinking about doing theater, but also able to do this and able to make it work scheduling wise and leading up to rehearsal, we were both just so nervous. Like, is something going to come up? Is something going to happen? You want to believe that the work can exist no matter what, of course. But I think actors like to cry and emote a lot, but it's actually really hard to find actors who can um, stay vulnerable and open in a sort of sustained way. And so when I was first asked, like, who's your sort of dream Kenneth? You were the first person that came to mind. You're in my mind a lot as an actor anyway, but your sort of openness and the way that it translates differently depending on the role you're playing is just really interesting to me. It's certainly interesting to me as like an audience member, but then as a writer thinking like, what would it be like to work with someone who's like brave enough to hop into the arena and stay there and sort of stay scrubbed raw? So the fact that it lined up is just, is really crazy. And then watching you rehearse and just sort of watching how you work and how you absorb and your comfort with discomfort, your comfort with the unknown, with not needing all the answers right away. It's been very, very, really inspiring to me, both as a writer and as an actor. Oh man, thanks. There's something different about this entire experience for me. A, I like when it was, you know, it's you, like, because I've seen you on stage and then we did a play together and then I watched a play of yours and then I saw Canoods work and I was just like, oh man, these are really, like, really great, honest artists who are discerning. I feel like there's a lot of value in not necessarily over-talking everything. Yeah. Um, you know, sometimes it's like, it's just about what, the vibe is and just sort of reading people's energy. And, and even if you read it wrong, you're reading that something is there, yeah. you know, like something's happening. And I think that there's value in that and there's value in not knowing exactly. There's value in even getting it wrong. Yeah. You know, I don't know what the answer is, but I know that if I try to nail that down and if I over talk it, I might get myself into some trouble. Yeah. I'll talk myself into a corner. They decided this, right? So it can't be like a bunch of if-then statements. It's just, I can't let that be number one when, when rehearsing, especially when rehearsing something like this. Like the play works on me in a way that I don't quite understand, but it does. And it's almost like I, I don't want to, you know, drill down into why. Yeah, and yeah. I'd rather just let it do what it's going to do because that just feels human to me. I think that's so great. And I think, you know, one of the reasons I was first responsive to Canute as a director, I met him as an actor. Canute doesn't really do table work. You know, that normal thing that a lot of directors do where you spend a week sitting around the table talking about the script. And I'm, I don't want to cast aspersions. People's processes are what they are. But one thing I felt as an actor and certainly as a writer is a lot of talk isn't necessarily better. And I think actors are smart and savvy and can sort of talk themselves into ideas. The same with directors. And it creates the sensation that we all know what we're up to. And I think mm -hmm. that the approach that Knud has that I've watched him develop over the years is we get up on our feet and working on it, the questions sort of come from that. And I think less talk 
let's talk more do in general, <laughs> in general. I mean, and then we reach points where it's like, oh, we kind of have to dig into this, but it was, it's so great. I love waiting. And I feel like this is a writer too. I love waiting, staying with what I don't know as long as I can before finally saying like, I need some help here, or I, I need to talk this through. But if I can sort of keep myself in the shadows for as long as possible, I feel like there you get some unconscious probing that you might not have been able to talk yourself into otherwise. Yeah. Actually, I do have a question, though. Why did you want to share this story? I mean, I know the, oh, I got to write three plays a year. Oh, damn, I got to write this one, you know. But like you completed the assignment, but then you went back and drilled down into it, obviously. And so like what, what was it about it that sort of that made you want to do that? Well, it's such a good question. I mean, I think my first pass at Primary Trust was really casual. I was just trying to write a play for school. And then when I approached it to write a second draft, because I didn't have much time, I actually wound up going to a lot of like books that I love and, and things that I've read that, I, that really speak to me. And one thing that sort of kept popping up is almost all of these stories deal with death and loss, which is something that's a real preoccupation of mine. And a lot of them deal with kids in trouble, which is another big thing of mine. So I think in general, this sounds so high-minded and I don't mean it to, but um, writing has been a way for me to feel like I can, I like have used books and plays and movies as a way to feel less lonely in the world. And that there are things that I've experienced that are really hard to metabolize and culture has helped me do that. And part of me wanted to be able to do that. And I think that being able to, give voice to some of my fears and concerns about what I've lost and what I'm anxious to lose um, about the stuff that sort of keeps me up at night. That is hard to think about by myself. It makes me really feel connected to other people for better, for worse. I mean, I'm going through it and passing it over to other people and sitting in an audience every night with that sort of underlying stuff. Um, it just makes, it makes me feel really vulnerable and kind of exposed. But I think most of my writing, at least for now, is probably about kids who have to grow up too fast and a certain kind of isolation. And I think maybe when I sort of sort some of that stuff out for myself a little more personally, I'll move on to other stuff. But, right. for, now, but for now, that feels like a real, I don't know, a place where I can keep digging. This is WLIWFM In Conversation. I'm Diane Michelli, and in partnership with the WNET Group's All Arts, in this episode, we bring you a conversation between playwright Ebony Booth and starring actor William Jackson Harper about the play Primary Trust, presented by Roundabout Theatre Company and running through July 2nd. You know, it's funny because it's like, you know, we've known each other for a while now, but I feel like there's like things that you mentioned about your upbringing and your childhood that I'm like, oh, I don't know that. And I'm actually super curious just because I wonder if men do this a lot, but I know that sometimes in the name of not probing, there's certain questions that we have that we just we're like we're interested we want to know but we also don't want to get up in your business if it's none of our business and so it's like you know i and i tend to sort of like be backfooted in that way where i'm like i really want to know this thing about this person yeah. and you know not so i have like i'm armed with gossip later you know it's more like <laughs> i i want to know this person better you know and so it's like there's so many things that I, as we were rehearsing that you mentioned that i was like huh, I actually want to hear this whole story of, yeah. of, of Ebony's life. You know, this whole, like, this whole chunk that she's talking about. I'm like, that's, okay, that explains certain things in certain, like, I, 
ideas that seem very clear to you that seem like we have to sort of like do a little work to understand a little bit more. And it's like, like, oh, okay. Um, and so now I'm curious. We're not going to do that right now. But, <laughs> no, but Will, I feel the same way. And it's actually a challenge. I will say like not being like, again, we met as actors together, but like a challenge I felt with you all is like um, being a playwright in the room, like not wanting to interfere in your process, but wanting to maintain a certain kind of I don't know, like, I don't want to say boundary, but um, just giving you all the space to do what you need to do without my eyes there, but also feeling like, well, these are people I love and I'm friends with who I want to be close to, but just trying to be mindful that the process demands, and I have a lot of respect for this, but it, I don't know, sometimes you just need, sometimes you need the playwright to not be around. So it's just been interesting trying to sort of like toggle between those two impulses. Yeah. Totally. And, you know, and I, and I, and I understand that, but I, I think that it's like maybe in the case of, especially I think with this group of people, it's like, I think, I'm not sure if anyone else has worked with you as an actor. I'm sure they've all seen you as an actor and I've seen you and worked with you as an actor. And there's folks whose opinion you want all the time. And so I'm like, when you have an opinion or a thought or an impulse, I'm like, I want to hear it. I want to know, because it's like, I feel like sometimes there's a restraint that you seem to engage in <laughs> that I want to do sometimes. I feel like there's, there's, there's something valuable there. Like, you know, like you were saying, like there's a lot of actors that like to like really emote hard all the time. And that's not, that's not me. I don't cry much in my life at all. And, and so it's not like about like necessarily wanting to like, I want you to know how I feel. It's like, <laughs> Gives a damn how I feel. It's about something else. I think that your sensibilities as an actor and your sensibilities as a writer lean into the thing that I'm sort of looking for and sort of chasing. Well, I feel the same. Canoot and I feel the same. And I mean, for better or for worse. And, you know, I'm on a therapist couch twice a week. So I get try to get into it. But restraint is a very is very interesting to me. I feel like for actors who trust their audience, you know, you can sort of be really mindful about how things get doled out, both content-wise in terms of information, but also the way that information is being conveyed. You know, when I watch a play and an actor's crying in the first scene, it's hard for me to stay engaged. I feel like I'm being told what to think. Yeah. Way. And you leave so much for me to discover and to find. It's really, I don't know, it's like the, all that mystery. I love mystery stories and I love sort of spooky stories and all that mystery and suspense about who is that guy? What's going to happen? I know the play. And each time I watch it, I'm like, what's going to happen to him? <laughs> yeah, no, I, well, but that, that's the, that's the cool feeling that I think we all have when we were reading it. It's like, it's like, wait a minute, where are we going with this? What yeah. does this all mean? And I think maybe that's the thing. It's the fact that it was like in reading it, I'm like, I don't know. Like this, this play hasn't told me exactly how to watch it. It's like, I'm, I can, I can follow the moment. I'm not like getting lost in saying, well, like, wait, what is this then? It's like, but it's like, it hasn't told me I am a comedy. Yeah. I am a, a kitchen sink drama. I am these, you know, it's like, it's, it's a play that sort of is like, I am an experience that you're going to have. And I'm not going to tell you until you're having it. Are you still having that experience performing it in front of audiences? Like how has the shift been to being in the rehearsal room to now being in front of an audience? I'll tell you what, it's really about like, for me, it's like trying to maintain my concentration just because, 
you hear those rappers open. I heard somebody, either their glasses, like their little chain they had around their glasses hit their program. And I was like, oh, Lord, it's like Bob Cratchit in the front row. I was just like, you know, this is <laughs> this is rough. Um, but it's like, that's the toughest thing. I feel like it's worthwhile to go ahead and just treat it like we're still in process, you know, and the, the value of, of a play like this is like, I'm not really worried about getting it right, but I am, I do want it to be honest, no matter what it is. It's different because I don't feel like we got to a point where it's like, and that's the show. Did you feel it? It's like, it's, it's more like, okay, that was, that was cool. This worked, this didn't, this worked, this didn't. And it's going to feel, it's going to be an ebb and flow all the time. And so it's, but it's like, if it's honest, we're in the ballpark. And and so that's what I'm aiming for and trying to concentrate enough and be in the headspace to where I can just, just be there. That's, that's the challenge of it now. Whereas in the room, it was just like, you know, I worried less about the concentration just because it was just sort of like, we're, we're in process and I'm, we're going to stop. We're going to start. We're going to, you know, that's it. It's not an hour and 35, 40 minutes of you uninterrupted on stage. I mean, that was what I started tracking as soon as we started performances. Like, he doesn't leave. And that person's been eating their M&Ms for 20 minutes. <laughs> loud. Yeah. Minutes. You, you forget. I mean, I don't know. Like, And especially compared to on-camera work where you start and stop so much. I mean, I'm sure that's its own beast to deal with. Yeah. But, you know, you feel like you can always sort of find a way maybe to deepen your concentration to have to fo- refocus while you're acting while you're working in front of other people is just really hard yeah it's well it's also taught me a lot about like just breathing for a second like you know it's like there's little things where it's like like luke and i for those that are listening it's like our musician composer and he's very integral to the experience of of this play and you know he's he noticed that one day i came out like early in previews and i took a g breath before starting and it was just sort of like i'm like oh right i have to like i have to do that like i i don't i don't do that i will just not breathe um and until it's until it's like hey you know breathe but it's like just sort of just to be like okay and we're here and now we're going that's been the biggest thing where it's just like look i'm not leaving and these extra two or three seconds for me to just sort of breathe and get back yeah. uh, to where I need to be is that's better than powering through and making sure that we're keeping the pace up. Sometimes it's just like just breathe and, you know, and be honest. Well, it's one of the things I love about you as an actor. I mean, I, Knud and I share this and because we share it, we don't have to argue about it, but I'm not casual. I'm not that chill. Like, I used to I used to think I was like, I'm chill. I'm done for anything like whatever. It's all good. And I'm not I'm not actually <laughs> me really tightly wound and, you know, anxious and neurotic. But I think and I didn't anticipate how hard it would be sort of giving your piece over to other actors or to other people, period. But I think um, I, I love watching people be honest, but I know how hard it is to be honest. And I know that the temptation is to step over the things that are hard or uncomfortable and just to keep motoring through to the end, to your point. And it's so thrilling. It's so thrilling in live performance to watch someone adjusting in front of you. And you do that. You take it all in and you use it in service of the work and you keep going. You don't act like it's not happening. It's just, it's, it's an alive thing. And it's hard to find people who will, but it, it costs a lot because you're living on an edge. You're not ever... Yeah too comfortable, but it's, it's so amazing to watch. 
No, it's interesting because I remember in rehearsal actually one time, like y'all gave me a note, like I feel like you're rushing through this. I'm like, hell yeah, I'm running, I'm running from the feelings. You know, I, I was like, I was literally y'all clocked me rushing through because I was just sort of like, it's like if I don't keep going, I'm gonna be a puddle. And so I'm like, I just need to I just, just rattle on through. And it is something that I'm like learning to do in real time in this process with y'all a little bit more. And then yeah, I'm actually curious about like, also, what is it like to watch this thing with an audience? Is that wild? And is it like, are there ways in which it's not what you imagined? Are there ways in which it is what you imagined? What is that experience like? Like sort of turning this over and seeing it with everybody else? Well, it's such a good question. It's the hardest thing. It's the hardest thing I've done. I didn't realize how I wrote this from a place very deep inside of me about things that mean a lot to me. And thank goodness I feel the way I do about the cast and Canute, you all and Canute, because there's a tremendous amount of trust there. But it is so hard and it's really hard sitting in the back of the theater and you just take that ride. And unlike the thing I miss about acting is you get to go through it and you're sort of on the other side of an experience by the end of the play. And as a writer, it's a little different, but I'll tell you, again, I don't want to put a, too fine a point in it, but there have been nights when I've been watching you on like, that's our show. That's how hard we're working. That's how specifically and honestly we're working. And it fills me up in a way that nothing else does. And I feel so alive and so connected to you all so far away from me and so connected to Canoe. I'm clutching like an infant. I'm like, oh, that's why you do it. That's why you do theater. So come see Primary Trust. (laughs) Come see Primary Trust now through July 2nd in New York City. This is WLIWFM In Conversation on 88.3 FM on the East End and Southern Connecticut and at 96.9 FM in Western Suffolk. You can listen to more episodes of WLIWFM In Conversation on our website at WLIW.org radio, on the NPR One app, as well as other streaming apps and podcast platforms. Follow WLIWFM on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at WLIWFM and All Arts at All Arts TV. I'm your host, Diane Michelli, General Manager of WLIWFM. Thanks for joining us for this latest episode of WLIWFM in Conversation. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of WLIWFM In Conversation, our special program that brings you dynamic voices from across our region and beyond. 